welcome back to Cottonmouth Manchester, the podcast brought to you by Cityco, the city centre management company for Manchester and Salford, and to our continuing series, Life in a Time of Coronavirus. I've realised for those of you who joined us recently, rather than 75 odd episodes ago, I haven't introduced myself. So for those who don't know, I'm Vaughan Allen, the chief exec of Cityco, and you can talk to me on Twitter at CottonmouthMCR. Today I'm talking to Sean Hines, the chief exec of Manchester Central, about the impact of the virus on them. First of all, of course, five five weeks or so ago, it had a massive impact on their event business. How have they been managing that? How have they been dealing with that? And when will that restart? Secondly, over the last couple of weeks, Manchester Central has been rebuilt into one of the Nightingale hospitals, a phenomenal achievement supported by the NHS and the Army. Sean talks about all of those things and where they'll be going next. Sean, thank you for joining us. Um, I always ask the same question, which is really, um, how have the last five weeks been for you and for Manchester Central? Well, it's been bad, I would think. <laughs> you know, we've got our venue as uh, it's got a really rich history of, of being kind of this metamorphosis. You know, going from one use to another use to another, starting out as you know as rail, railway station, um, and more recently uh, going through being an iconic concert venue to what it is now, which is a, you know, a convention centre leading facility for, for the Northwest. But if I, go, if I look back in time, you know, we, were, we were looking before the obvious, and I'll come on to talk about the obvious, which is the conversion into NHS Nightingale, the hospital. But um, you know, we, were, we, were con- we were contending with the sort of complete and immediate collapse of the events industry, um, but, but not with a kind of one-off event that said, right, you know, Monday it was this, Tuesday it was that. It was, it was this sort of building activity that was going on because we were, I think, as, as we were all watching how COVID was developing, you were seeing increasingly restrictions being put in place in other countries. You were seeing, you know, the notion of the mass gathering. And, you know, I think it was either, was it Switzerland, I think, went first or maybe France, and it's right, anything over a 1,000 or 500 or... You know, and then you start to wonder when that's going to affect, you know, the the UK. And sure enough, it it happened. And of course, you're almost watching this kind of top trumps of, well, if if Switzerland said a thousand, France is going to say 500 and, you know, Britain's going to say a hundred just to kind of get one up. And so we as a management team, um, we we had a couple of things going on. I mean, first of all, as it was unfolding, we had events taking place you know we, we literally were we were we, we had a period of time just as it was going off we were starting to get the the sort of spring the early spring events were starting to happen we had a lot of clients that were, were very nervous am I going to be able to operate am I not going to be able to operate some some you know cancelled uh, some postponed um, and others you know actually ran and I think we that last week we ran uh, a business expo, Manchester Business Expo, um, in the venue, um, and I think they were, you know, they were toing and froing a lot as to whether or not they were going to do it. But I think at the time, the sentiment was that a lot, there were a lot of small businesses, um, a lot of independents. They wanted to convene, they wanted to get together, they wanted to talk about what this what this might might meant. And anyway, the event went away. Uh, it, it actually reasonably well attended to be honest leading up to the ban of events we didn't really see a huge decline in 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 numbers of people attending but then when the announcement came that effectively gatherings were banned and hospitality businesses were banned it it became very real 
what what was was interesting to start with was that the the convention space exhibition business meetings we were quite we were quite conspicuous by our absence in the definitions that were being used you know they were talking about hotels bars restaurants you know um but, but they never mentioned convention centers and so we had this kind of lag period where we weren't actually sure you know can we do an event and I, and I think it it took about a week or so for that to be really clarified where it became quite obvious that that you know we fell within that criteria and therefore the events were off but, but presumably at that point because I remember that weekend of uh the build-up for Northern Restaurant and Bar uh, yeah where that where on the Friday they were they were planning to go by the Saturday, Saturday night or the Sunday morning they decided that they had to cancel it presumably even if you were officially allowed to continue you'd have had event organisers and certainly the exhibitors and so on just not wanting to come. So then, so it would have been very hard to operate a lot of those shows. Yeah, and I think we were, we were certainly seeing that and, you know, talking that particular event, I know that that was a, uh, that was something that the organisers were were contending with significant, you know, significant numbers of people just A, asking, you know, is the event going on? But B, others, the importantly for the event, you know, the exhibitors, the people that were the clients of the event were, were saying, you know, surely you've got to cancel. Um, funnily enough, that weekend, as I think I may have told you, I was I was due to go skiing, um, and and I did I did get to France um, for about twenty four hours, and I was very lucky to get back out of France again the next day. But anyway, that that following week was 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 pretty interesting because we began this process effectively of contacting organisers, looking at the events that we had coming up, and we have a very we had a very full schedule as we were going from March, April, May, and basically shifting all of those events into the back part of the year, second half of the year. Um, but of course, w- what was the timeline that we were working to? You know, at this point, it was difficult to know: is this one month, two months, five months? So what we did is we took we took the lead from the government guidance, which was this sort of twelve week, this three month process that they were looking at. Um, you know, in the early early stages of the the daily briefing, the, the twelve weeks was the one that was being quoted a lot. And so we we followed that lead and we basically took a line and we said, right, every event within this 12-week period, we, we've got to contact and we've got to move. Um, and most of those events were, um, we were able to move them to, to new dates later on in the year. Sorry, is that a really busy period for you? People might not know how your industry flows within the year. Yeah, it, it, it was actually. And it we... It, because we are quite a unique venue in the city that we, we we do when we're busy we're very busy and so the schedule was full um most of the events that we were able to relocate we managed to find you know we did a bit of sort of event-based tetris and we moved a few things around we shortened a couple of lead you know build-up days and, and breakdown days to, to find slots and we the team Dealing with this in, in, in my team, they did a, they did a great job actually in slotting in all of the events that we were able to accommodate. Not, not everyone did, for, to be fair. Some took the decision to cancel. Others took a decision that they wanted to go, you know, move into next year. Some of the international events were on a one year cycle, so actually, if we couldn't accommodate in that date range, they were gone. Uh, so we did lose some of those events, but but they were pushed back into this period from September to the remainder of the year, and, and in some cases, the early part of next year. Um, and that's pretty much what we've been doing. So as as we sit here now in you know in in mid April, the twentieth of April, we're um, we, we, well, we know what we're doing for the next couple of weeks, which I'll come on to. But really, from sort of September October, we anticipate a a, a period of of a return to normality. Um, however, the key word in that is anticipate because um 
it's very it's, it's it's difficult to see based upon the current trajectory how quickly we're going to be back into operating those large scale events. Um, and I think even operating some large scale events, I think they're going to look and feel very different from the delegates that that that, that, that go there. But um, it's you know it's it's a moving it's a moving uh, target at the moment because you know we're taking new advice all of the time. We're watching what's happening. Our organisers themselves are making their own decisions about where they want to go, and of course they're taking feedback from their clients. And one of the challenges in our industry is that the lead times are quite long. So even if you've got an event that's scheduled for November, December, whatever it might be. Um, you think, well, you know, that's 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 months away. That'll be fine, but of course it isn't because it's now that those organisers are talking to their customers and their delegates and their speakers, and they're selling the event space. They're getting all of the speaker registration sorted out. They're putting the, the event on sale for delegates, and it's that it's it's that market. It's their market which they rely on to get the event away. That's currently in suspension. So even if you've got an event for later in the year. If organizers make the appropriate level of sales now, then theoretically that event is at risk, or at least a, a, a much smaller version of that event may take place. But it's 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 a particular challenge for the scale of events that we talk about. Um, and I think just one last point: the part of the lag of this whole process that we're in, I think, is is where where, where the events industry is fueled by companies either exhibiting attending or um, speaking at some of these events the policies of those corporate companies the, the the lag of those those policies being you know switched around again to allow for people to travel to allow for meetings to allow for mass gatherings there's going to be a period of time where, where that you know that the policy doesn't keep pace with what's happening in real life and I think we will see even theoretically, events that are able to take place i suspect one or two corporate companies will say you know we're not we're not changing our policy just yet we're gonna we're gonna, mm -hmm. gonna wait a while so so i think even though we're we're, we're judging each month as it comes i, I think we, we we're looking the rest of this calendar year we're looking at the, the first quarter of next year and we're, we're considering the impact of that now and one I just said one last point a minute ago but this is the last point on this bit but um what what what's really interesting for for the city and for businesses and of course um what we mustn't forget is that the the events that take place within Manchester Central alone contribute about 150 million pounds worth of economic value to the city of Manchester and and you know to the to wider GM region as well but you know the city benefits uh, incredibly from some of the events that that we bring tourists coming in, visitors spend, bars, restaurants, taxis, shops, you, you know exactly what I mean. Um, so the, the cost to the city isn't just about, you know, Manchester Central's quiet for a few months. It's this wider knock-on effect, which, which of course, all of members of, of you know, CityCo and, and the bid area would, would be interested in because I think that, um, you know, the, 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 the associated costs of, of the virus and the lockdown are, are much broader than perhaps the, the obvious cost of, of a restaurant not being open or a bar not being open. And, and I suppose that works the other way as well. Given that we've got pretty well every hotel now closed, you know, you need to know that that room stock is back available for you, you to be able to operate your events, don't you? Um, yeah. Is it is it also affecting longer term sales? 
presumably. Funnily enough, you know, it's not. Um, we we've, uh, we'll talk about furloughing in, in a minute of the team, but but the the sales and account management team that we have in place. I mean, with one or two exceptions, that team is still pretty busy. We're seeing organisers that are looking, for, and this is the beauty of our industry. You know, you plan so far in advance. You know, you're looking at events. The 21, 22, 23. This is the horizon that we're going to. Uh, people that have got an event in 22 and 23, they're just cracking on. So, so actually, the normal sales process for future events is pretty much untarnished at the moment. Um, yes, some of the internationals are kind of still thinking a little bit about what they're going to do because where they've lost an event this year, that cycle has been lost. And so whereas we were slated maybe for 23, they may say, well, we're not, you're not going to be 23 anymore. You're going to be 24. So there are still people, there are people that are changing things around and, and moving stuff on. But broadly speaking, future events continue. Um, funnily enough, the in-year event activity from a sales and marketing perspective is actually quite light when you consider overall because most of it's done and dusted so most of the activity for in year is about this postponement cancellation activity that i was describing just a few moments ago so you know we're we're hopeful that as we as we come through a full cycle of this and you know maybe it's it is a full 12 months before you get kind of 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 back to normal but but the, the events scheduled for late 21, 22, 23, they will continue. Plus, events that got postponed in the period we're in now will get will get put in those gaps. And so I I, I think I can be optimistic actually about what the future might look like um, because as, as we get through this and we start to return to normality, whatever that is, um, we could have a, an even busier calendar as we go through 22, 23, 24, which, which seems balmy as we sit here in 2020, but that's the horizon that we work to. And I suppose one of the few good things is this is not something that's just affecting you guys in Manchester. So whereas, you know, we've talked extensively, obviously, about the competition between Manchester and Manchester Central and other convention centres, not that any other convention centre can match up, obviously, um, but... Um, this isn't something that, you know, is only in Britain and therefore all those international conferences are just going to be in America or they're just going to be in France or whatever. It is a global event. So on, on that sense, we're, we're no worse off than anybody else is. No, no, absolutely. Completely global issue. We're all in, we're all in the same, all in the same boat as it were. I think as an industry, collectively, we've got to create the new playbook for how you do conferences, how you do meetings, how you do exhibitions. Even if it's for this interim period, you know, I think we're, we're going to have the technical lockdown released, but we're still going to be in this, this kind of notion of social distancing being the requirement, being the norm, people being more, I suppose, mindful about those kind of interests, at least for a period of time anyway. I mean, that, 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 that's the way we see it. And I think it's incumbent on the industry and, and you know we we participate in a couple of the global groups you know the the ICA group which is what you know with the big international conference association um you know, there's a there's a, a global venue AIPC which which I participate in and we you know we're all if you like working on the manifesto of how the meetings and events industry returns um, and I think it's our job, both as organisers and venues, to kind of to set that framework out and to be able to create that environment where people feel that they can come back and they can they can meet. And um, I think people will be so fed up of these bloody Zoom meetings and you know team meetings and video interactions that actually the 
the notion of you know proper physical interaction, the spark you get at a conference or an exhibition, just the chance meeting where all of a sudden a conversation it turns into a meeting which turns into an investment or a or, or a project or something like that you know all of those things I think people are going to be longing for once we get through this and and so I you know I'm hugely optimistic about the sector but I'm, I'm you know particularly optimistic about how Manchester is going to come out of this as well because once we get through it um you know the the demand will be there the interest will be there yes certain aspects will change um but I think I think we can embrace that, and and you know one of the ideas that that people have been wrestling with up before pre-COVID, if you like, PC was um, that you know how does uh, you know the, the events industry is doomed because we're all going to be online and virtual and and tech, and I think what what we're seeing is that that is definitely not the case. But can we can we utilize, embrace, and incorporate? video technology, streaming, digital interaction with real-time events. Absolutely, we can. Um, and I think that opens up a massive market for us. And I think that's what we're going to be looking to, to, to get stuck into once we get through it. Um, but we should, we should talk about the Nightingale because that was... Talk about the Nightingale. That was, that was within our half hour. That was something we've got to talk about, definitely. So how did that project come about? Did they, they presumably approach you because of the, well, the national plans? Actually, I had... Um, we, like I say, we were we were in the middle of dealing with COVID and what that meant for the business and what that meant to to, to our to our staff and to our organisers. And then I got a phone call initially from someone in the council um, uh, introducing me to a guy from the NHS. Um, anyway, I took a phone call and basically it was it's a central NHS calling. We're looking at uh, temporary hospitals. You guys have been identified as a potential um, suitable location. Uh, we need to arrange uh, a meeting um, with the basically the MOD. Uh, they want to come this afternoon, and it was like 12 o'clock, and they wanted to come for half past four. Um, funnily enough, it was a day that I was working at home anyway that day, so I, I got, got in the car, came into the office. Um, we met We met with two or three. This was, I think it was uh, like a Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, just in March, we, we met with two or three military advisors, some, some people from the Royal Engineers, some people from um, the Medical Corps. Um, and we had a meeting, they had a look around, we did the show round, and within, they pretty much made their mind up within within the space of about two hours that the venue was going to be pretty suitable. They were looking at alternative venues. I think the Etihad was being looked at. I think Event City over in Trafford was being looked at as well. Um but they liked the location. They liked the capability that we had because it was very easy um, in a convention centre to get the power, the you know the the utility, the drainage, all of the things they needed to, to get that stuff done. So that then triggered uh, a very frenetic weekend, and we went from a, a venue that was effectively in lockdown. We basically turned everything off. The venue was cold. We'd shut everything down. Everything was stored away. Um, and we, we went in that weekend uh, and we had a series of planning meetings. And as, as each meeting went on, it got busier and busier. Um, and it, it was, yeah, pretty much by the Sunday, we, we'd agreed that it was going to happen. Monday morning was the first day of the project. And it was, it was just an incredible process. And, you know, you'll have seen all of the coverage on the, the, the news channels. And it, and it literally was just over two weeks we went from being an empty, cold venue to being a fully functioning 
working hospital. Um, at time, how, how much were your team involved in that installation? And, and yeah, so, so in the early stages, significantly. Um, and it was the simple stuff to begin with. You know, when you've got, you've got 100 people descending on a space uh, as a project team, you need to create a working environment for them, right? So, mm. you know, tables, chairs, heating, simple things, um, you know, AV equipment, the ability to print stuff, the ability to have breakout rooms, the ability to project stuff. So all of the stuff that we do as our day job, you know, we were able to do it, even though half of our staff had been furloughed and half of the AV company weren't available. But it was either me or my FM guy running around, you know, getting remote controls out of out of, out of locker cupboards and making the projectors work and, and, and then thinking about food because all of a sudden we had this project team in and we wanted to feed them, so we needed the hospitality team to come back. So we'd already we'd already closed the kitchen down, but we reopened it up and we started doing catering. And it, it, it got up to about five hundred people, um, twenty four hours a day over that two week period. But but I, I will say that you know my team, you know, involved in all of those the the, the the enablement, the enabling aspects from whether it was doing a show round to show how the building worked, the, the technical team advising the engineers on, on the power capability we had, the drainage capability, the water pressure we had. Event managers using the CAD system that we've got to do the first layout of what a hospital could look like. Some of my floor services team basically fashioning a, a, a hospital bed out of some staging and some dollies, you know, some runners on the floor, using some tents, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the cabling um, barrier stuff that we use to, to, to usually to, to manage queues, creating virtual ward space and actually moving this bed in and out to create a space arrangement. So, so the team were, 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 were incredibly... Um, participative in the in that early stages but of course as you can imagine to build something like this in a couple of weeks the the nhs drew on all of their kind of main tier one contract and so it, it was pretty clear you know we're we're great at you know managing events catering events doing all of the stuff that we do every day that makes us a, a leading venue but we're not we're not a hospital style catering operation you know we're, we're not um medically qualified when it comes to running the kind of technology that's needed for a hospital bed so we we saw um you know contracting companies coming in a lot of the fm services that we would normally provide were outsourced to interserve which is a very well-known nhs contractor um but they were starting from scratch so they were coming to us and saying right we, we need your help with this we need your help with that we need your help with something else so we were we were providing, if you like, that consultancy, that guidance in the background to help those tier one contractors become established. Um, and we had right up until Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday, before we opened on the Monday as a hospital, we had members of my team involved in pretty much every aspect of the the, the creation of the hospital. And and now as today, we're we're a week into operations. Um, we've got a, a small team of people directly involved in the operation, predominantly in our building services team. So within my control room, I've still got my control room, my security guys. Um, I've also got my engineers on a rotor system as well, 
acting, if you like, as the backstop. So if we needed to do something with some of our electrical circuits or some of our heating or some of our water systems, one of my engineers is there able to help. So we're, we're involved now. Um, the rest of the team are either working from home uh, or furloughed, depending on, on what's going on. You know, there is actually quite a busy time for us. We've got year-end that's been concluded. The finance team are really busy at the moment. We've got the auditors doing a virtual audit as we speak. Sales and marketing team are busy dealing with, with client activities. It's really the operational team that is, is effectively now in this suspension while we, we wait and see where we go. And I think we're, we're working on the basis that, you know, April, May, June, the facility is going to be active as a hospital. Uh, July and August, question marks, you know, at the moment, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's an option for them to come out in July. There is a further option for them to come out in August if the demand would, would suggest that it, it's needed. I think at the moment what we've seen is that that, that demand probably isn't going to arise. Um, so there's a very good chance that we'll actually be decommissioning sooner than later, which is, which is a good thing. Um, but an incredible job. I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, we're used to seeing the venue transform and we're used to, you know, a, a, an exhibition being built in the space of a day and then being knocked down again a, a day later. But just the, the extent of, of change that took place, you know, you, some people may have seen the installation of the big gas uh, canisters on the back of the venue. I mean, this is, it's, this is sort of heavy engineering stuff that's, that's gone on. And, um, you know, I think unpicking some of this is will we'll take a while. I mean, and luckily we've allowed enough time, and we've got a great team of people that know every nook and cranny of our venue. So, um, so there's you know there's there's no question that once we get it back, it's going to be even even better than it was before we handed it over. But uh, but yeah, massive undertaking. Yeah, it's, it's been astonishing, and the coverage of it has been has been amazing as well. I mean, in the, just to finish, then in in the best of all possible worlds, if they if they potentially go in, in July because there just hasn't been the use that, that the worst case scenario would, would suggest. Um, when are you back up and running with your, with your first event, all the legalities yes, and government action allowing? So as of today, we start in September. Right. Um, we have got a busy calendar, September, October, November, December. Um, and that's, that's where we are right now. And that's what we're planning. We haven't got a party conference this year, have we? We don't know. That's uh, Birmingham. Got Birmingham. We've got the party, the Conservative conference. Um, I can't remember where Labour is this year. Um, but uh, uh, the next Conservative conference in Manchester would be in twenty one. Um, but yeah, we've got uh, actually got a got a couple of the one of the first events that we've got is a a, a big um, government kind of attended event, which is the housing uh, Chartered Institute yeah, of Housing, yeah. which, which is a really big event, isn't it? Yeah, which was a, a move as well. So they came from earlier in the year to later in the year. <laughs> Interestingly, of course, we have a lot of medical events as well. And I, I was at the official opening of the hospital on Friday and the chief medical officer there um, uh, is, is due to be attending an event at, at the at <laughs> <laughs> later on in the year. And um, and we were joking about that as well. So, uh, so you said you better be out by then, otherwise you can't. Right. Well, we need, we need back in business so that he can attend and do whatever he needs to do but of course, there will be a lot of the first line you know that the, the, the healthcare workers the medical staff that have been that have been absolutely focused on the covid response you know they're not going to get straight back into attending the nhs providers event or this or that or that and we, and we have probably six maybe 
six or seven medical events slated for the rest of the year um, or, de- 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 you know, derivatives of. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, um, but yeah, we, you know, we, we're anticipating a return to normality. We're anticipating that September it starts. You know, we're definitely going to have measures in place. I think, you know, the, what, we, what we used to um, have as this is how you do conferences and events. I think certainly in that interim period, that's going to change. You know, we're going to have social distancing. We're going to have, uh, we're going to create environments within our spaces to allow people to meet in a safe uh, in a safe way that people are comfortable with uh, and we will we, we will help that that return I think and then you know we'll, we'll see how we go um, but it's uh, yeah it's 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 fascinating it's fascinating it's daunting it's it's been an incredibly rewarding project over the last few weeks to see what we've done with the, the hospital but um, you know we long we long for some kind of indicators around you know this is the this is the path back to not necessarily where we were but a, a version of where we are which is which everyone is is happy with and everyone is looking forward to and saying yeah actually that that's that's what we need um you know that's how that's how society works that's how the economy works that's how cities work that's how business works you know that's how um uh, uh, this remarkable and i i don't mean it in a positive way but this extraordinary experience that the the world has been through together um i think will there will be a positive legacy from that and and the event industry will 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 adapt and will will will, will feature just as heavily as we have in 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 all of those things i just mentioned in in the future albeit we may make one or two changes you know uh, certainly in the short to medium term to to kind of affect that thank you very much for joining us It's a pleasure. Nice to see you. Lovely bookcase, by the way.